If you were 12 years or younger, why don't you join me down in the front? And if you're on the cusp and you're 13 and you really want to come down, whatever, come on. Ah. What's up, Daniel? Hey, guys. All right. We're going to have to get a bigger church. All right, so who listened to the gospel reading closely today? Raise your hand if you listened closely. You did two hands. That's what I'm talking about. So in our gospel text today, what did Jesus get into in order to preach to the crowd? A boat. A boat, right? No cheating. A boat. <laughs> now, were there people that were already in the boat? Yes. Yeah, there were people in the boat. Who were they? Uh, they were the fish catchers. Yeah, the fish catchers, the fishermen, right? And what were those fishermen doing right before Jesus got into their boat? Cleaning the fish nets. Yeah, they were cleaning their nets off from fishing, right? Now, why do you think they were washing their nets? Because they need to catch fish. Because they need to catch fish. And so you're washing your nets. Do you think you're, if you're washing your nets, do you think you're done for the day? Yes. Probably, right? Like you wash your dishes after you eat. You're kind of done with supper. Now, when Jesus finished preaching to the crowd, what did he ask these fishermen to do? Raise your hand if you know. What did he ask them to do, Daniel? It's to go out in the water some more, right? And what did he ask them to do out in the water? To throw their nets back into the water, right? Um, and what did Peter say to him? What did Peter say whenever Jesus said, hey, let's go back out in that water and throw down your nets? What did, what did Peter say? Right, we've been out here all night and hadn't caught a single fish. So, so did he say no? No. No. If it pleases you, I will go back. Right, if it pleases you, we'll go back out and try it. So, so what happened next? So they go back out into the water. They caught a larger school of fish. They caught a big old thing of fish, right? Now, they had been out there fishing all night and there were no fish. Jesus tells them to go back out, throw out their nets, and now there's a lot of fish. Where do you think all those fish came from? Like a hundred. Where did all those fish come from? Uh, the sea. sea. The sea, yes. <laughs> right. So who, so who do you think made all the fish be in the sea right then? Jesus. Jesus. That's the answer. Thank you. Right. It was, it was a miracle. Jesus did it. Now, whenever they catch all of these fish, Peter says something that's kind of strange at first. What does Peter, Simon, I'm sorry, I keep saying Peter. What, what does he say to Jesus? It's Simon Peter, but, um, that I'm a sinful man, oh Lord. Yeah. Is now that's kind of a weird thing to say. Like if I gave you a bunch of fish, would you go, oh, I'm so sinful? No. Yes? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, maybe you would, I guess. No. So what, what, was it, what was it that you think Simon Peter recognized? That all the fish were going to sink them. Okay, so but why would he tell Jesus, depart from me, O Lord, I'm a sinful man? Why would he say that to Jesus? Because he didn't believe in him. Maybe. What do you think he recognized about Jesus? Do you, did he think Jesus was just an ordinary person? No. 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 What did he think? That Jesus probably made the fish. That's better than what I have written down. Now, everyone was astonished at how many fish they caught, Right? And then Jesus told them that his plan was they were going to take all the fish and they were going to fry them and make a fish house, right? No. No. 
No, that's a good plan. Yes, it is. Raise your hand if you like fried fish. Everybody. Exactly. Now, now what Jesus told them, though, he didn't tell them that silly thing about the fish house. Jesus told them that they they wouldn't be catching fish anymore. He said they would be catching what? Men. Men, right? They would be fishers. They would be catchers of men. What do you think Jesus means whenever he says they would be fishers of men? They can, like, throw hooks at people? No. I don't know. Help me. They would be rescuing man from sin. Okay. I think that's a good answer, rescuing men from sin. The disciples would take the gospel into the world, and they would convert the people to the good news of Jesus. And then those fishermen dropped their nets, and they started following Jesus that very day, right? And instead of catching fish, they went with Jesus to catch people. Now, here's a question. In those first three years, the disciples were being fishers of men, like Jesus said. Come with me, I'll make you fishers of men. In those first three years, they were being fishers of men. I want you to raise your hand and tell me how many men do you think the disciples caught? Was it over 50? Was it over 100? Was it over 1,000? Yes. How many? How many? Four. How many? Four. Four. Say four. Fifteen. Optimistic. One hundred. So the disciples, the disciples in the first three years in the Gospels, they caught exactly zero men. They caught nope, zero. Right? Okay. What does that mean? No, let's not do that. <laughs> they caught no people. They're supposed to be fishers of men, and they caught no people. Now, the disciples went on to do exactly what Jesus said they would. Each and every one of the disciples became some of the greatest fishers of men the world has ever seen. Right? Like, that's one of the reasons we're here. So what I'm going to preach about this morning is why I think the disciples spent three years with empty nets, but then they went on to have nets so full that we're still talking about it to this very day. Okay, so can you, you listen to what I say, and we'll have a test afterwards. Who, whoever passes gets fried fish. It's fair. Yay! Go back to your seats. Go back to your seats. I can't believe y'all paid me to do this. That's, that's a lot of fun. Our gospel text this morning is a familiar story that we've heard countless times before. The miracle of Jesus producing fish where only moments before there were none, and his call to these fishermen to drop their nets and follow him into the unknown is a story that has produced songs and sermons so numerous that they can't be numbered. There's so much depth to this story, so many different ways of approach. There's so many different points that we can unearth, so many applications we could discuss, that the sheer amount of things can leave a young, inexperienced associate priest paralyzed in the face of all the options before him. <laughs> but thankfully, in the midst of our inadequacies, the Lord tends to show himself most faithful. You see, with all the manifold things we could talk about this morning, I think the Lord has whittled it down to something much more manageable for us. Now, I know you were listening very carefully to the children's sermon, but just in case you missed it, I'll say again what our main focus is. Why did the guys who were supposed to be fishers of men in their first three years with Jesus catch exactly nothing? 
If you read through the Gospels with that question in mind, the results can be shocking. The description of the disciples in all four Gospels are descriptions of men that seem to have only dry, empty nets. For three whole years, these men followed Jesus. They watched Jesus. They listened to him. For three whole years, they watched Jesus fish for men and haul in load after load of catches so big they couldn't believe their eyes. But in that same time span, what did these supposed fishers of men themselves catch? What was produced by the disciples as they followed Jesus and they watched him fish? Well, they don't seem to learn much at all. They seem inadequate in almost every single situation they find themselves. They're unable to cast out demons. They're trying to prevent children from talking to Jesus. They spend large amounts of their time backbiting and arguing, and on occasion they even go so far as to rebuke Jesus about what the Messiah should and shouldn't do. These men who left their jobs and everything they knew, all under the promise that they would catch men in the same way they caught that great multitude of fish, by the gospel's end have produced almost nothing. But as I said before, it is in the midst of our inadequacies that the Lord tends to show himself most faithful. You see, if you flip just past the Gospels to the book of Acts, you'll see that these inept, bumbling disciples have been transformed. They're living lives that are so completely given over to Jesus that the things they're saying and doing are virtually indistinguishable from the speech and actions of Jesus himself. And the reason for that transformation is because the same Holy Spirit that filled Jesus, the same Holy Spirit by which and through which Jesus lived his life on this earth was now residing in those disciples as well. The Spirit of God that filled the disciples on that Pentecost Sunday transformed them into the exact kind of men Jesus promised they would become three years earlier. They were no longer fishing and returning with empty nets. No, these men, filled with the Spirit of God, preached and lived the gospel of Christ in ways they had never dreamed possible. And the result of that? The result was the explosion of Christ's church. The result was the worldwide proclamation of the good news of Jesus. The result were nets teeming with multitudes of men and women. And we find ourselves this morning, 2,000 years later in Fort Worth, Texas, beneficiaries of those men. Men whose proclamation of the faith has been passed down to us. And so to answer the question, why did the guys who were supposed to be fishers of men in their first three years with Jesus catch exactly nothing, is this. You cannot be about the business of Jesus unless you were filled by the Spirit of Jesus. Like the disciples, you can hear the teachings of Jesus and you can even believe in his miracles, but you will reap exactly zero fish unless you have his heart, unless you have his mind. You will find your nets dry and empty unless, like the disciples, you were filled with the very Spirit of God. Now, I don't know. Maybe that's you this morning. Perhaps you can look at your life and you can say with confidence that you are following the Lord Jesus. 
but you appear to be a little bit more like the disciples in the Gospels and a little less like the disciples in Acts. You know all the teachings and you believe all the right things, but something is still missing. Something is still incomplete. Like the disciples, you have followed the Lord for years, but you still find yourself waiting for his promise to be made real in you. Maybe that's you. If that's you this morning, here's the best thing I can tell you. Do exactly what the disciples in the Gospels did. Even when they got it wrong, even when they totally blew it, even when they lived sinfully in front of the Lord himself, they always, always, always returned to Jesus and asked for forgiveness. And what they found was that Jesus was always faithful to forgive them. He was always faithful to restore them and to continue his work in them. And it turns out that is one of the most crucial elements in the Christian life. Never leave the side of Jesus. Never stop repenting of your sin and trusting that he forgives those who with true faith turn to him. Guys, the hope and intention of Jesus for every single one of us is to sanctify us fully, to change and reshape us in ways that we've never imagined. He plans to so thoroughly permeate your hearts and minds that when you think, you think his thoughts, that when you speak, you speak his words. This is the promise he makes us. He promises that he can take hard-hearted men and women filled with sin and death and he can transform them by his spirit into a spotless bride befitting of a king himself. And he will do it. He promises you he will. Just don't leave his side until he does. This was true for the disciples. It has been true for countless people before us. God really can take your chaotic mind and your disorganized life and he can make them into a work that's so beautiful that generations to come will stand in awe of your transformation as well. This is his promise to us. This is his heart for us. Just stay with Jesus no matter how messy your life may be. Just stay by his side. Just remain open to him. And what you'll find if you remain at his side, what you'll find if you remain open to him, is that Jesus doesn't need you to be perfect before he can love you. No. What you'll, ref- what you'll find if you remain with him is that he will perfect his love in an imperfect person and will make you exactly what he desires you to be. Just stay with him. I pray that we all will. Amen.